0: Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Hello and welcome to another edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney with my co-host Eric Raskin. I am Kieran Mulvaney. Um, And Eric, we joke about being essentially the same person, giving the nothing wider than a cigarette paper's worth of difference between us sometimes (laughs) with our predictions and the like, but... Things for sure. Boy, we have certainly had very different reactions to COVID. Uh, gosh, if I recall correctly, you burned hot and you burned fast, but uh, I've had more of a lingering, festering sore of an experience this last week. Uh, first couple of days, I thought I was getting away with it. I had a bit of a cough, but nothing much to worry about. And On Wednesday morning, I woke up and I felt pretty good good enough to sit down and do some work and then i realized how bad that brain fog was and for a couple of days oh man i was actually a little little scared actually like i had a complete inability to focus even a little bit it's really hard to describe just the complete inability to do really anything um by Friday, that had begun to fade and I was just at a sense of like overall fatigue and being very tired. And I'm still there now, yeah. actually. I, I slept until noon after waking up briefly on Saturday. Uh, I'm still tired now. I may fall asleep in the middle of the podcast like <laughs> most of our listeners. But uh, apart from being fatigued, I think I'm okay. I think the brain is functioning. If we tried to do this like a few days ago, I would have tried to opt out of doing the fight game because I just wouldn't have been able <laughs> to do anything except drool through your clues. But uh, I think I think we'll try. I think I'm getting there. But yeah, very different
1: experience from you, you I believe. Yes, yes, quite different indeed. I mean... I was convinced I was on death's door once uh, Once it fully kicked in. This was you know, maybe four hours or so after I first started feeling some symptoms, I was just like a disaster. My wife was actually uh, calling my doctor to see if they could prescribe me one of the antivirals. Um, the doctor turned mm. her down, uh, basically said, I don't prescribe those, let him suffer. Um, and so uh, suffer I did uh, for like a day and a half, but once my fever fully broke, I was basically fine other than a bit of a lingering cough, I think that lasted a few days. So, uh, yeah, yours is way different, you know, in part, cause this hits everyone differently in part yes. because this is a different variant going around yeah. now. I'm not sure whose experience is less desirable. Um, you know, if, if it's indeed basically over for you, other than some tiredness, maybe I, I would say you had it easier than I did, but I, I don't know. I could see a case either way. Uh, Tough Um, round to score. Maybe a 10-10 round.
0: Maybe so. Or maybe with several knockdowns each. (laughs) (laughs) Right. uh, Oh, that brain fog, though. It's like I've I've seen, seen people write about it and talk about it. It's like nothing I've ever experienced. And it was really. So I had a document that I had to that I've been working on and. I thought, oh, I'll just do some light editing. People have made comments. All I'll do is go through and just do like accept changes and that kind of... I couldn't even do that. I wow. couldn't even focus enough to do that.
1: Hmm.
0: It was honestly mildly terrifying. I thought, is, is this, is this it? This is my future? <laughs> right. Uh, I will never be able to think clearly again. Right. It yeah. was really, really disconcerting, but, um, but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully on the mend now.
1: Yes. Well, so far, uh, in three minutes or so of recording, pretty much all complete sentences, I, th- I think you're doing OK.
0: All right. OK. I I can't wait until we uh, preview the uh, third meeting between Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez. I've done a lot of, lot of research on it this past week, and I'm feeling pretty good about my predictions here. <laughs> Uh, But in fact, what we do have this week on the podcast, we will discuss all the swirling winds, if you will, regarding major fights that are actually on the horizon, Um, with everything from Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia, to Naoya Inoue versus Stephen Fulton, to Devin Haney versus Vasily Lomachenko, possibly on the spring fight schedule. We will also recap Liam Smith's fourth round knockout of Chris Eubank Jr. We'll preview Artur Betabiev's light heavyweight title defense versus Anthony Yard. Eric will put me to the test with another round of the fight game, and we'll see how I do with that. Uh, At least I have an excuse built in, and I will give him some homework in the form of his next top five challenge. But first, Eric was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania on Friday night, microphone in hand. So we have a little something special to offer as we analyze this past weekend's Showbox triple header.
1: Yeah, I had the opportunity to interview all the winners one-on-one, so we will drop those in alongside our analysis of the card. And what a card it was. or or at least what a main event it was, or at least what a finish to a main event it was, Uh, super middleweights David Dynamite Stevens and Sean Silky-Hempel went back and forth in one nearly impossible-to-score round after another for seven rounds, and late in the eighth, with the fight seemingly up for grabs, Stevens dropped Temple with a combination with about 20 seconds left, then forced the stoppage with a second knockdown with just two seconds on the clock, earning the win at 2.58 of the eighth and final round, Stevens from nearby Reading, Pennsylvania, improves to 12-0 with 9 KOs while Hempel suffers his first loss. He's now 14-1 with 8 KOs. As it turns out, Stevens didn't need the knockout. He was up 68-65 on all cards. I had Hempel up 67-66 from ringside. So for me, the first knockdown clinched it. Uh, Kieran, how did you see it? How good was this fight? How good was this finish? Give me all your thoughts on this very showboxy first showbox main event of
0: 2023. The most important thing, I think, to acknowledge is that I was two seconds away from getting the maximum three point <laughs> in <the> picks contest. <laughs> uh, as I picked Stevens by unanimous decision, and you plumbed for a, a seventh round knockout. Uh, in the event, I picked up just one point, and you scored two yes. to give you the first lead of the year at eight points to seven, but... Uh, let's deal with the less important stuff yes um uh despite the enormous personal stakes for me that was the correct decision uh by the referee hemp was done Uh, it isn't the referee's job to know exactly how much time is remaining that's why we have timekeepers i suspect it was moot anyway because i assume the fight was operating under abc rules which now i believe prevents the fighter being saved by the bell on any round including the last round and i don't think Hempel was making it to his feet um I was surprised by the scorecards as I didn't see it as that wide at all. But like you said, gosh, there were some mighty close rounds in there. I, I guess the big difference is that I, I think Steve Farhad said that all the official judges gave Stevens the first two rounds, whereas I personally gave them to Hemphill. Mm. Um, we DM'd afterwards and I said I had Stevens up 67, 66 after seven. Uh, but I actually, I, I looked again, Cal Breeze, I had the same score as you uh, <laughs> Obviously. by that same score. Um, but I think, it's a testament to how close it was that either of those scores is fine. And I can't really argue with, with the scores that the official judges had, even though it was wider than I had it, because like you said, some of those those rounds were very, very hard to score. Um, we'd said in our preview that we thought that Stevens looked as if he was the one with the slightly higher upside. And that didn't necessarily look like that in the really early going it, I, I thought that did sort of begin to look that way a bit as the fight progressed. Stevens looked to be the one who was closing the distance and was making it into the fight that he wanted it. Hemp uh, him, him was still winning some of those rounds and some of those exchanges, but Stevens, the one who was forcing the exchanges um, and his punches, I thought, especially his hooks were shorter sharper and clearly landed with greater authority and obviously i think you know that stoppage was not just the barrage that he unleashed in the eighth round but it was just the accumulation of some of those clean punches that he was landing in the back half of the fight i did mention in our preview that i thought hempel kept his hands a smidge and too low for my liking and Mm -hmm. i think that probably contributed to it um i don't know that either man is a world beater although it's early to say but i'll tell you what i certainly wanted to see stevens again and i'd be very happy to see hempel again as well to be honest um and by the way one advantage from watching from my vantage point rather than yours was hearing the corner instructions and right. i'm glad that the guys talked about this on the broadcast to hear those two season vets buddy mcgur and ronnie shields handing out super intense but focused and detailed advice and encouragement before the final round was fantastic. You wouldn't know it was an early career eight rounder. They had the passion and intensity there of if they were sending their guys out for the 12th round of a championship fight. I absolutely really loved that. Um, it really added something, I thought. And uh, also extra credit to Stevens for fighting with a broken shoe. I don't know if you guys were able to notice that ringside. It's
1: funny. I, I had no idea until after the fight, I was talking to um, Mitch Abramson from the Showtime PR team, and he mentioned it, and I was, I, I was totally unaware that was happening, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and that can't, have, that can't have helped. I mean, you've, you've got to be, feel that, and it's got to affect your movement and leverage, so extra credit to him for that. But uh, those are my thoughts from watching it on TV. What about uh, from your ringside vantage point? Well, first, uh, about the scoring, um,
1: one of the judges was Steve Weisfeld. So you're, you're only oh. allowed to disagree so much with the score <laughs> of 68-65 Stevens. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I looked back at my notes. I wrote close for six of the seven rounds uh, round three, won by Stevens was the only round where you couldn't make a case for both guys. Um, specifically what, what happened several times was we'd be about two and a half minutes into a round. I would have just about made up my mind that fighter a has won it. And then fighter B would have a really strong finish and, and I'd be left to throw my hands up in the air. It was that kind of fight. Uh, just such excellent matchmaking by King's promotions and by Gordon Hall and outstanding meshing of styles Really, the only minor complaint about the fight from an entertainment standpoint was that there was a fair amount of holding, uh, mostly initiated by Stevens in the latter half of the fight. Perhaps he was tiring a bit at times, understandably. Um, And then I guess my other complaint is just if you were scripting it, you would have had at least two of the judges with Hemphill leading to increase the (laughs) retrospective drama of the finish. Uh, This fight certainly presents a great case against open scoring. You know, open scoring could have ruined this. Stevens might have tried to box safe the last three minutes. Uh, Anyway, other quick observations. Um, Stevens is really well-schooled. I didn't see any obvious holes in his technique. I don't know if Ronnie Shields gets the credit for that or if it's whoever first got to him in the gym when he was a kid, but the fundamentals are all there. Um, And Hempil, while more mistake-prone, has some excellent moves himself. Uh, In the first round, he was circling and jabbing and often making Stevens miss. He looked damn good, although he couldn't do that without lapses for the whole eight rounds. This fight was just a pleasure to watch. I had no idea who was going to win until there were 20 seconds left. And, Mm. you know, it's not going to hold up as fight of the year, not even close. But for now, three weeks into the year, I'd say this is the leader in the clubhouse for fight of the year. Mm. So they got that at least Um, a few minutes after the action concluded. I brought uh, the Showtime boxing podcast portable studio into (laughs) David Stevens dressing room and caught up with him. And then I snagged our friend Ronnie Shields for a few minutes as well. Uh, So here are those two interviews. Have a listen to what Stevens and Shields had to say. Congratulations, David! Fantastic win. Safe to assume this is the career highlight for you so far—the uh, knockout with two seconds left on the clock.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, it felt good performing in front of my um, hometown, but
1: I got a lot of stuff to work on. So, H- how much did hearing those hometown fans help help motivate you to get that knockout at the end? Uh,
2: it helped me a lot, but really, uh, it was just Ronnie and the rest of my corner just on me about what I need to do and finishing the show.
1: What, what sort of uh, advice was Ronnie giving you? What was he telling you to focus on?
2: Just stay busy. You know, he's reminding me I worked hard for this and, you know, you got to win it more.
1: So you were ahead on all three cards, but you couldn't have known that. Uh, so what did you think was happening potentially scoring wise and did you think maybe you needed a knockout?
2: Not only that, I just, you know, I just knew I wasn't executing everything that we worked on in camp. So I had to, you know, just pick it up like my corner was telling me.
1: Okay, and then you did execute, obviously, at the end of the eighth. Walk me through those punches that you put together that, that took Hempel out.
2: I was just trying to finish strong, and yeah. once i seen the hooks were connecting, I just started swinging for the fences. Not for the fences, but just just kept trying to connect.
1: All right, and so I, I heard you say, uh, you know, got to go back in the lab. What, what are you specifically working on after this?
2: Just a little bit of everything, you know, just, you know, listening to my corner and staying relaxed and just, Following the game plan, I didn't feel too excited or anything in there, but you know we just got a lot
1: of work on. Yeah, it was a fantastic fight, fantastic win. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations on, on the win, Ronnie. What what were you thinking as we were getting toward the end of the fight there? Now, your, your guy was ahead on the cards, but you couldn't have known that. What, what were you thinking he needed to do in the well, end? Well,
3: you know I always have to look at it as if we're we down on the cards, and kind of find out somebody said something about we were down. I'm, I'm not sure. I need to look at the scorecards, but. Um, they they, uh, they
1: had they had David ahead by three at all. The oh, cars. okay, okay. Well, good, but, good. but 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 it was a close <laughs> fight. <certainly. laughs> it was a close yeah. fight.
3: It was a good fight. But yeah, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking we're winning. But at the same time, you know, we have to push. And I just told him in the last round, you got to push. Just keep working, keep doing what you're doing. Just but just gotta keep working. Don't let him out hustling. <laughs> and you know, and he caught him with with the big hook and. That was that was that was the that was the difference in the fight.
1: What, what's it like as a trainer watching that unfold at the end? What sort of excitement <laughs> oh. are you feeling when you? Oh, I think we
3: got him. You know, I was just so into it. I mean, you know, I mean, I I can't look at it as a fan, you know, but looking at at the things that we do in the gym. And a lot of things we have to go back. I'm gonna sit him down, and we're gonna look at it together. And so a lot of things he didn't do that he was supposed to do. And this is, but this is Showbox. This is what it's all about. Letting people know, hey, we got good up-and-coming fighters. And him here is a very good fighter. He's he's not going anywhere. He's gonna be there. <laughs> and these guys definitely gonna meet up later on in their careers.
1: Oh, okay. You think you think a rematch is possible somewhere down
3: the road? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt.
1: And just the last thing, he was saying the same as you, that, that he's got things he's got to work on, and he wasn't following the game plan, wasn't executing the way he's supposed to do. What specifically did you want to see more of from him that you didn't see?
3: Well, I wanted him to take away Hemphill's jab. That was the first thing. And he came out the first round, and he was jabbing him to the bottom. I'm like, what you doing that for? He's going to counter you with the right hand over the top. And him didn't start doing it until, like, the second or third round. So, but, I, you know, the jab was the key. I think he was... You know, especially later, later in the in the rounds, he he was really jabbing him good, and you know, knocking his head back. So, but I just thought it was a matter of time before we catch him with the hook.
1: But the, but the the dynamite nickname, it's no it's no mistake. <laughs> it fits.
3: You got a guy with real power here. Absolutely, huh? the dynamite fits him. Absolutely. <laughs> Congratulations. Ron. Thank you.
0: Uh- It sounds like David Stevens might have been the calmest guy in Bethlehem after that. Uh, (laughs) He uh, he doesn't seem to be super impressed with himself. And honestly, you kind of like to hear that from a a young fighter. Yeah, he got the KO win, but he's like, yeah, there's always something you can improve. I kind of got the sense a little bit listening to the two interviews that, Stevens didn't quite know exactly what it was yet. He needed to improve, but he knew from what Ronnie had said to him that there was something and that you needed to go back and look at the tape a little bit. Mm-hmm. I super agree with what Ronnie was saying about the jab. I actually made a note about that when I was watching the fight. You, the, I felt that that made the big difference. I gave Hempel, I think three of the first four rounds and I really felt that it really changed when Stevens started stepping into that jab and setting up his hooks and, and right hands af- after that. And, uh, but I like hearing what a quiet, seemingly humble guy Stevens is, and it sort of makes me want to see him again even more, to be honest,
1: yeah, he was certainly being way too hard on himself, mm. uh, but that's not a bad quality in a fighter, so yeah. I, I think I think he could be going places. he certainly seems to you know the fact that he was not satisfied after the biggest win of his career mm. yeah i I think that's mostly a good thing,
0: yeah. Uh, in the co-feature, an eight-rounder in the light heavyweight division, uh, Philadelphia's Atif Lord Pretty Calvo Obolton improved to 8-0 with six KOs as he was taking the distance for the second time in his career. But he did enough to convincingly outpoint Russian Artem Brusov now 12 and 1 with 11 KOs by scores of 78 74 twice and 79 73. Uh, I agree with that 79 73 score. I gave Bruce off the first round and then I thought Obleton really looked very impressive and took it, took it over. I've got a little bit more to say after we talk uh, about your interview with him that's coming up. But I- I'm curious, you know, look, you singled Obleton out as the undercard fighter you were most excited to see. Did he live up to your expectations? frankly no he he didn't um
1: he was fine it gets a, a passing grade most certainly uh gets an invite back to showbox i'd say but uh either i overhyped him a little or he didn't quite deliver on what he's capable of. Uh, and I guess he's guilty of overhyping himself a little, wearing a robe that said, here to save boxing. Uh, good, good luck with that <laughs> mission. Um, but uh, among the three winners on the card, and there's one we still haven't discussed yet, but he's the one I'm um, coming away buzzing about the least. And uh, not just because the other winners got knockouts and he went the distance. It's certainly possible to dazzle over the distance, Oberleton was good, but not dazzling. Uh, Some of the credit for that goes to Brusov, a a smart, tough fighter with a solid foundation. But Oberleton, he seemed to be burning some nervous excess kind of energy in in the first round. Um, He was losing his technique in certain ways uh, in the next few rounds, perhaps because he was tiring a bit and he'd burned a little of that energy. Um, Nothing disastrous, but just didn't quite look as sharp as what I had seen on YouTube beforehand. Um, but at the same time, he was winning almost every round. Uh, like you, I gave Brusov the first. And then I also edged him the very close fifth round. Mm-hmm. But uh, but certainly, yeah, six to two or, or seven to one. Those are the, the scores here. Uh, Oberlton was outworking Brusov throughout. He got the jab going at times. He showed a nice chopping southpaw left hand. And... I pointed this out in the preview last week, that his body punching impressed me in the clips I'd seen. He did some real damage to the body in the third round of this fight. He just, unfortunately, didn't keep going to the body much after that. Uh, But he finished strongly. I thought the eighth round was one of his best. He obviously has a lot of physical tools. He's huge for a light heavyweight. He moves well. This small ring probably was not ideal for him. But he made it work, and he got the clear win. And I think he's the sort of fighter who will really benefit from having gone eight fairly hard rounds and, and adding that experience. And he has a big personality. He's he's very likable and a good talker. Uh, that'll serve him well. Uh, after the fight, I spoke to Lord Pretty Calvo. Here's what he had to say. So this was your showbox debut. Yeah. You got the win. You had to go the eight-round distance. How mm. did you feel about your performance?
4: I felt good. I'm glad I went through the eight rounds and, you know, they show my conditioning in camp. You know, a lot of guys that got my type of record early on in their careers not taking the type of opportunities and opponents that I'm facing. I'm facing somebody from Russia, 12-0 with 11 knockouts. And I went out there and proved myself. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. You know, guys from um, Russia is no, no slouch, but I did what I had to do to get the win and stay smart
1: seemed like it took you maybe a, a round to get comfortable in there. You started taking over in the second, first round, maybe a little jittery. Is that is that how you how you felt that you wanted to kind of take around to ease yourself in?
4: Yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, sometimes it takes time to go ahead and get your rhythm. But that's the thing about pro boxing is it's no longer amateur, so you don't just, you know, give it you know, all the first round. You still possibly might have eight more rounds to go. But um, I always felt like I could uh, do a way better performance than I did, but I'm proud of myself tonight.
1: It seemed like you were hurting him with body shots in the third round, but then you didn't stick to the body quite as much. Do you feel like you needed to go to the body more as the fight continued along?
4: Yeah, I felt like I needed to go to the body more, but I was better off just keeping it from my range and just taking the openings. When I hurt him to the body, I see he covered the body up real good. So, you know, what can I do? Keep punching him in the arm? I could do that too, but, you know, I just go for openings, and that's when the left started opening up up top.
1: And, and all those head clashes seemed to be bothering you as the fight wore on. Were you, you getting pretty sick and tired of uh, ramming heads with him?
4: Yeah, I was, and the referee was mad at me at first, but I was saying, like, the guy, he comes in, he leans over his front foot, so he's coming in with his head. You know, a lot of those guys over there in Europe, they fight with their heads. When I was over in the, in the amateurs, I seen I got a chance to fight some of those guys, and they come in head first a lot of the time.
1: So, so what's next for you, Atif? What would you like to do uh, progressing from this fight? Well, I
4: love Showtime, and I thank Showtime for having me. You know, I would always love to come back to you guys and keep being showcased and just keep doing my best and keep getting wins.
0: Excellent.
1: Congratulations again. Thank
4: you.
0: Yeah, I couldn't uh, help but smile after that. I, you talk about how he's a good talker and, and all of that. I love the fact he knows you're from Showtime. He made the point of giving the thanks to the network in yep. that interview. Good for him, man. Good for him. Um, uh, it's interesting to hear your comments about him, because I quite enjoyed watching Obelton. Uh, okay. I made notes a couple of times that I thought, this guy's quite skilled. I- I'm enjoying it. And, and even though he didn't get the knockout, uh, as opposed to the other two winners, I thought, hmm, I'd like to see some more of this. Uh, it was interesting, you know, his comments in response to your question about the bodywork. work. Uh, I did notice that, Russoff was almost exaggeratedly covering up his body by the end there every time it looked right. as if openton was going for that body it was it was almost like a character in in uh in like a Mike Tyson's uh, punch out it was right. just like you could just see him just putting those elbows down and and so I thought you know I thought his response to you was quite good it wasn't just like oh yeah I got away from it it was like well yeah that he was really covering up from that. So then I decided to use my jab to keep my yes. to keep my range. And I thought, all right, you know, fair enough. That seems like he's got an answer to that. And 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 he's he was analyzing his own fight pretty well there. Um, yeah, he sounds like he's a pretty smart dude. Uh, I like you said, he, he earned himself, I think, surely a, an invite back to Showbox. I liked what I saw. Uh, It was interesting what you said about the ring. It looks super small. I mean, do you know what it was? Was it like 18 by 18 or something?
1: Somebody said it was 18 by 18. So yeah, that's that's probably what it was.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, put him in a put him in a normal ring. I and, mean, you know, you might think, oh, what kind of difference does that make? It can make a difference, especially yeah. when you're up against a guy like Brusov, who's much more of a brawler and you're much more of a boxer. So I'd quite like to see him again. I, I enjoyed his interview with you a lot. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought he showed some real skill in there. And he's the kind of guy I thought who has the, the sort of the, the physical skills and the talent that can be built upon quite a bit Like, and he's obviously a smart guy and a smart in the ring. So I'm actually quite keen to see him again.
1: Okay. As, as am I just, I think that, uh, if I had to guess, I'd say the difference in our opinions on this is mostly just chalked up to me hyping him up in my mind <laughs> and getting a little overexcited that, you know, this is the prospect to watch on this card. Okay. And then he didn't quite blow me away. Uh, it, it, according to my perhaps unrealistic expectations mm, there. Okay. Um, This card started with a bang, uh, a 130-pound fight that nearly ended in the first round. Instead, it ended in the fourth with another Reading fighter, Julian Gonzalez, delighting the local crowd, dominating Rosalindo Morales. Uh, A right hand just before the bell to end round one nearly knocked Morales out, but he got up and was given a minute to recover seemed to get his feet under him somewhat in rounds two and three, but was wobbled by a couple more big right hands early in the fourth, and referee Sean Clark stopped it, earning the ire of Morales and some booze from the crowd. But I didn't mind the stoppage. He probably spared Morales a lot of punishment in a fight he had no hope of winning. Uh, Gonzalez, just 21 years old, is now 9-0-1 with nine knockouts. Morales is 9-1 with two KOs not a ton to analyze in this fight, but, uh, Kieran, your quick thoughts after our first exposure to Julian Gifted Gonzalez?
0: Um, all I can say to Mr. Morales is if, is if you didn't mind the stoppage, then he was probably one punch away from being killed, so, um...
1: <laughs> That's a little <laughs> extreme, but uh, yes, I am I am known for minding stoppages, so...
0: yeah, I thought Sean Clark did well. I mean, he was also the, the referee in the main event, I think, was he not? And, uh, right. I thought he, he, he made a couple of good decisions there with the, with his the stoppages, even if uh, the people getting stopped or the, the fans didn't always like it. Um, yeah, I don't have a tremendous amount to say about this other than that uh, Mr. Gifted certainly does appear to live up to his nickname. Um, <clears throat> you know, I had expressed a particular interest in this matchup uh, when we were previewing the card because of the clash of styles. But yeah, this wasn't so much a clash as an obliteration. Um, you know, often, not always, but often in a boxer-puncher matchup, sort of lean toward the boxer all other things being equal the problem here is that all other things weren't equal a boxer can outbox a puncher but he's got to at least get the puncher's respect right and with just two ko's in his first nine fights morales was bringing a a whiffle bat to a knife fight really and i'm not even sure he's the better boxer at the end of the day um I was surprised he made it into the second round. That was a heck of a knockdown. And had that right hand landed 20 seconds earlier in the first round, I'm not sure he would have done. Uh, Yeah, this was a very, very impressive performance for Gonzalez. It was a a great start to what I thought was a very good card. Mm -hmm. Um, You said that the main event was very showboxy. I thought the whole card was very showboxy. And uh, it was one of those where the three winners did themselves a lot of good. And at least two of the losers also did okay. And, uh, you know, surely... I think we'll certainly see three, perhaps four of the the folks on on this card come back. Yeah, and you make a great
1: point about that, that, not being so sure that Morales was even the better boxer. I, I was impressed with Gonzalez, certainly as real power, but yeah, what jumped out at me was his skill in, in picking Morales off with clean shots, uh, and he's a very likable kid to boot, uh, or so he seemed in, in my two minutes of chatting with him. Uh, here's the last interview clip from Bethlehem, my quick post-fight conversation with victorious Julian Gonzalez. Congratulations, Julian! Tremendous win. Uh, you're in there against a, a southpaw, a guy with skills. Were you surprised at how easy a time you had finding him with with your big shots?
5: Um, nah, cause you know uh, I knew he was gonna be worried about the power, you know. So and he was an awkward fighter, so I just had to stay, you know, stay composed, and then just let his, let him make the mistakes and me capitalize on them.
1: It seemed you were going with the straight right hand early, but then also mixing in some left hooks. Yeah. Which which of those is your better power punch?
5: I got power in both hands, really. I can't. I can't tell. You gotta ask him. Okay.
1: When when you knocked him down the end of the first round was a straight right hand that put him down. Did you think the fight was over at that point?
5: Um, nah, cause I I was aware of the the timing in the in the ring, like where we say like, I was paying attention to the time. So I knew if he would have got up, that they were just gonna call it to the next round. So I wasn't trying. To I wasn't gonna rush it. Okay,
1: but uh, you have the now nine knockouts and nine wins. How important is it for you to get those stoppages and not let these fights potentially go the distance?
5: Um, it's not important at all, you know. Eventually, you know, we're going to get tougher opposition. They're going to stay in there a little longer. So, you know, I just got to give trust into some my coaches and believe in myself, and you're going to get the job done no matter what. All
1: right, and last question, what's, what's next for you? How soon do you want to get back in the ring? What, it, what kind of style of opponent are you thinking next?
5: Um, right now, you know, I had two back-to-back training camps, so, you know, I got to let my body rest up and just give that uh, give that um, thinking to my, my, my team, and, you know, we can get back in there soon. All right,
1: well, tremendous performance. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Congratulations. I
0: too. Uh, you know, it's sort of like at the risk of, of appearing a little bit like a broken record here. I was just very impressed with all the guys you interviewed. He, he seems to be another one who has his head screwed on right, not letting the occasion get to him. You know, what I really liked about that interview was the way he sort of expressed the importance of being calm after that knockdown he knew where in the round he was Mm. he's like okay i got the guy down i fully expect him to get up he's gonna make it to the next round i have to reset and go again and that's the kind of thing that in the moment is really hard for a lot of boxers to do especially young ones to not get like overexcited and and maybe punch themselves out and I thought, like I said, it's just the theme of the night for me, both in the ring and afterwards in, in your interviews. The three winners all come across as guys with good, calm heads on their shoulders who are pretty good at analyzing what they did right and did wrong. Um, and I think when it comes to making something of yourself in professional boxing, that's half the battle right there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you were there and I'm glad you went back into the dressing room to talk to these guys because I thought we got a pretty good sense of who they are as well as you know, how they perform inside the ring.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just something about being from eastern Pennsylvania makes you an impressive person. (laughs) Simple as that. Um, Before we move on to other fights, uh, I got to say a little something about the atmosphere in Bethlehem at Wind Creek Casino. What a great little venue for boxing Mm. and what great fight fans they have there. Now, I assume... At least half of them were friends or family of one of the local fighters on the card. Um, But they were into it. They were loud. They were there the whole night, not just in time for the TV fights. Um, And the layout, I I don't know how well you could see it on TV, but there was a balcony. And every single person I talked to had the same thought. This reminds me of the Blue Horizon. Um, Oh, wow. Really fun place to watch a fight. And now that we've seen how many promising prospects there are from Bethlehem and Reading I'd love it if Showbox came back to the same spot in a few months. Um, and, and I just enjoyed being out at the fights. I believe this was only my second time since the pandemic started, the other one being the Showbox show at Turning Stone that we attended together. Um, and I got to catch up with a lot of friends uh, and former podcast guests. Uh, Bill Detloff and I were sitting next to each other, quietly making a whole lot of inappropriate jokes and insults all night long. Yep, um right. <laughs> uh, our buddy Keith Ideck was in attendance. Uh, I chatted with BC, said hello briefly to Raúl, caught up with Gordon for a few minutes after the show ended, plus our friends in Showtime PR. And the timekeeper was a guy named Fred. I can't remember his last name, but I knew him from countless nights at the Blue Horizon. Probably hadn't seen him in like 20 years. Oh, wow. uh, we, ch- we chatted for a bit. So good times all around. I'm really glad I was able to get out and do this. Nice. All right, now let's talk about a fight that wasn't quite an easy drive away for me to attend in Manchester, England. Not a massive upset, but a minor upset that was a massive shock in the way it went down. Liam Beefy Smith stopped Chris Eubank Jr. in the fourth round of their middleweight bout on Saturday. It was close for three rounds. Then Smith hurt Eubank in the corner, landed a right hand, an uppercut, a left hook, dropping Eubank hard. He got up, but had no idea where he was. Smith landed a couple more punches. Eubank went down again, and the fight was stopped. Kieran, how devastating is this to Eubank? And is the veteran Smith a serious contender again at age 34? And any other
0: thoughts on the way this played out? I mean, it feels absolutely devastating for Eubank. You know, look, he's someone who, he's always had the talent, but... It's felt like he's never really seemed to have what it takes to to put his career up that extra level. You know, that ex- he doesn't ever seem to quite have the same drive as, say, for example, Liam Smith. But this was something else. I mean, he's fallen short before on the domestic level to Billy Joe Saunders and George Groves. But they were both world-level contenders who went on to challenge for world titles. And the fights went the distance and were reasonably close. This was the first time he's been truly buckled, let yeah. alone knocked out like that and look honestly part of it is his own fault he was trying too much to be like his dad or his trained roy jones in there there was too much swiveling in the corner against the ropes with his hands not fully up in position and partly his own momentum took him into Smith's shots in that conclusive exchange um he does have a rematch clause but i don't see the point in it um he looked good in the third round i thought he was starting to really get into a groove there eubank and landing the uh, uppercuts pretty well himself but really that was it. Um, I don't think anyone would pretend that Ian Smith is the natural talent of Eubank, but he's never let himself down. He's always shown himself to be a really solid contender. He's never been short of effort. Yeah, he was stopped by Canelo, but in many ways when he was fighting Jaime Munguia, I thought he would look the better boxer. He just had a power deficit there. Um, he's always been good, but not quite good enough at the top level. He's never been known as a power puncher, which makes this a little bit even more de- devastating for Eubank. In some respects, of course, early knockouts can be misleading. Even Sven Otka occasionally got a knockout. But right. Smith's been on a roll uh, since losing to Magomed Kurbanov, and that's four wins in a row now, including dominant victories over Eubank and Jesse Vargas. He's now moved up to the middleweight division at a time when that division is. It's not exactly wide open, Then certainly more so than it has been for a while. And he's truly earned himself a shot at at least an alphabet bell. Uh, I think he's having a really solid late career resurgence here, Liam Smith. And I hope he has the opportunity to see that. I don't want to see Smith-Eubank again. And maybe Eubank wants to think about his future a little bit, honestly. All right. There are a few minor fights on tap for the weekend ahead. But just one major fight, and that's the light heavyweight championship battle at Wembley Arena in London, pitting Arta Bedaviev, who's making his seventh defense of his alphabet belt, and his fourth defense since beating Oleksandr Vorstik for the lineal title against Anthony Yard. The last time Yard got an opportunity like this, he gave Sergei Kovalev a decent challenge, but ultimately got TKO'd in round 11 on Kovalev's home turf. He's now 23 2 with 22 KOs. But he's taking on one of the very few fighters with a higher knockout rate than he has. As Berabev has had 18 fights, 18 wins, and 18 knockouts. Um, if I'm making a case for Yard pulling the upset, I'm pointing out that he's fighting at home. He now has big fight experience that he didn't when he faced Kovalev. Berabev is 37 years old and hasn't been super active, fighting just three times the last three years. And only two rounds in 2022. Does that all add up to enough to give Yard a chance here, though? It all adds up to enough to
1: make you stop and think about it for maybe a half second and then <laughs> say, no, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, did you see Better Betterbeev slice Joe Smith Jr. into yeah. little bite-sized pieces in freaking no. two rounds in his last fight? Um, I know he's getting older, and I know he's not been particularly active, but nah, I, I just can't see it. Uh, Yard is a solid fighter. Full credit to him for his career best win two fights ago. Uh, He had lost by 12-round split decision in December 2020 to Lyndon Arthur. They rematched in December 2021, and Yard knocked him out with a right hand in the fourth round. Great win. Yard is absolutely a legit top 10 light heavyweight contender now. It's a reasonable title defense, but I can't see Yard winning. I can't even realistically see how he doesn't get knocked out. Um, I looked it up at one sports book. Better BF is minus 900 to win, and he's minus 370 to win by knockout. It's a steep price. I'm tempted to bet it anyway. I I probably won't because I just hate laying minus 370 on anything less than a Mayweather-McGregor type of sure thing. But maybe I can take that minus 370 and parlay it with something. Um, I I definitely see a Better BF win, probably something like KO7 or KO8. And then we say a little prayer to the boxing gods that better Bev gets made.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you're right. Yard has a big fight experience that he didn't have when he fought Kovalev, but he still doesn't have any more experience against really top guys. He hasn't fought anyone who's better than Sergey. He certainly hasn't fought anyone who's in better Beav's league. He hasn't fought anybody really apart from Sergey who's in the league of the people that better Beav has beaten. Um. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a way to prepare yourself properly for better PF. There just seems to be something about being hit by the guy that's unlike being hit by anybody else. And it's not just that he hits hard, he cuts off the ring, he sets punches up, he just starts touching you, touching you, and then he starts hitting you that little bit harder. And it's not as if he even particularly torques into his punches. He just starts gradually chipping away until he's ready to finish you off. And like you, I just don't know what Anthony Yard does that can stop him and i'm sure boxers like yard hate it when non-boxers like me effectively dismiss their chances (laughs) like that and i understand why it would and i mean the man no disrespect because as you said he's clearly a top 10 uh challenger and this is a perfectly viable defense but i just don't know what game plan he can bring to the table that will see his hand raised in victory or like you said see him even make it through 12 rounds i I really can't and Sorry, Anthony, that's not disrespect. It's just that Better BF is something else.
1: Yeah. The game plan is basically hope Better BF suddenly enters steep decline, which <laughs> I see no
0: reason to believe
1: there's any chance yeah. of that, but that's that's about the only shot you got. Yeah. All right, Kieran. Are you ready to I'm play? That's about this. Let I am say, not. No, all right. I'm not. <laughs> but come on now. The, get yourself uh, focused as best you can because... Okay. You have a chance here to win fabulous cash and prizes. Oh, right. Okay. You, 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 no, you don't. You You can win uh, personal pride and a feeling of self worth. So. Ugh. Well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Shit now you a back. Yeah. Listen, you can you can regain something right. resembling a feeling of self worth. How's that? Right. All right. Anyway, here we go. All right. And there is no pressure, because if if you fail, uh, you can fully blame the COVID brain fog. But uh, here we go with the fight game. Here's your first clue. Jimmy Ellis, still on his way up. He hadn't yet challenged for any titles, fought on the undercard of this fight. (laughs) Now, um, I, now I realize way, there is there is no way in hell you're going to get it off one clue, as we never do. But I, I'm
0: I'm I've, I'm giving you a sense of the time frame with the clue there, at least. So it's going to be the fact that you're mentioning it. It's going to be a fairly, of course, my, I automatically then start thinking it has to be oh a heavyweight main event, but it doesn't, of course. Heavyweights can can fight on other weights right. undercards. So I'm assuming this is going to be the 60s. I don't think it's the fifties. It's the sixties. So, or is it early seventies? I'm going to say.
1: Holy cow, Kieran. You have done it. You're kidding me. I am not kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> we and we we've just ruined the game for the listeners.
4: Covid. 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 <laughs>
1: Oh, COVID gets the credit for you pulling that off. Oh yeah, I would not have done that otherwise.
0: Holy cow!
1: So, so now here, so now here's the question: Should I bleep over your answer, and so everyone will know that you just got it, but they didn't hear the answer? And I, and I, and yes. I can okay, so I'm going to read the next I few so. clues. All right, here, here are what the next few clues would be, and then we'll then we'll discuss your amazing guess guess on the first try. There, clue okay. clue two was going to be. Five years later, Ellis would face the winner of the fight in question. (laughs) Clue three, the loser of this championship fight had a city in his name, and two fights earlier, the winner of this fight beat another challenger with a city in his name. We'll come back and and discuss who that was. Um, by, By clue four, I think it was a slam dunk. This is regarded by many as the absolute peak performance of the winner's career. And clue five, he must be the greatest based on how good he looked in these three rounds at the Houston Astrodome. Uh, so now, all of you listening who uh, heard the answer bleeped out, uh, we, we, uh, you want to say it again, uh, Kieran? Muhammad Ali against Cleveland Big Cat Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yes, November 14th, 1966. That was remarkable, Kieran. I am I am in awe of uh, how COVID has apparently enhanced your ability to think.
0: <laughs> I was so anxious about this segment. You have no idea. I thought I'm going to end up looking like a complete idiot. What a guess.
1: Wow. That's that's remarkable. Like, literally all you knew was that it was probably in the 60s, if you knew when Jimmy Ellis first uh, challenged right. for a title. Um, and so to pick that fight out of all of the entire <laughs> decade of the 60s. Um, and so do, do you know the two fights earlier, Ali beat uh, another challenger with a city in his name? Do you know who that refers to?
0: No, that, and let me just have a quick think, see if I can think who that was.
1: Your, your hint will be that the city is not an American city. Oh. Brian London? Yes. Yes. He beat oh. Brian London and two fights later he beat Cleveland Williams. So Wow. I don't know uh, I don't know I what just, to say, Kieran. I, You've broken or the game.
0: Oh do I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about that? I was doing a little jig while you were going through the uh, through and now I'm completely worn out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And unfortunately, now it's all downhill for the entire. Anytime so, we do the fight game, now you can never, I, you can never. But uh, at least I still have something to aspire to. The one thing I
0: will say mm-hmm. is, it's a little bit like Wordle. Like if you ever get Wordle right on the first guess, it's a, that's no talent involved in that. You just happen to pick the right one, and right. it's like that. The joy is getting it on the third guess with yes. Wordle. I feel right, or the, or and, the second sometimes, maybe the second, right. yes, but third or fourth, and you've done that you've done that with me the the first one i'll take it i'm very happy but um (laughs) yeah that was wow (laughs) but i would say this is more like this though by the way a perfectly good
1: Ah, first clue thank you yes um and yeah and i would say this was more like getting wordle in two than wordle in one because wordle in one you're just throwing a dart this this you had a little tiny nugget of information and made the perfect guess so anyway (laughs) my hat is off to you karen well done hopefully this powers you along through the rest of uh covid feeling good about yourself
0: there you go there you go
1: is back (laughs) yes it is how about it all right (laughs) let's move along to the news really the news main event is that kieran just broke the fight game and got it in one but uh the next biggest news of the week in boxing um just like last week Our main event is some major fights that are reportedly very close to being finalized. Uh, But as we were reminded last week, very close does not mean done. Uh, Still, there are two fights in particular that may get done that have the boxing world buzzing this week. One is Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Uh, Last week, Oscar De La Hoya took to social media to threaten that the fight wouldn't happen if he didn't get a contract soon. Before long, he was tweeting out that he'd received the contract. The details are that it would most likely take place April 15th in Las Vegas at a catch weight of 136 pounds on Showtime pay-per-view. But again, nothing is official. Tank still has legal hurdles to get past and nothing has been signed or announced. Uh, But this is all coming along as expected. What wasn't expected this past week was the news that Naoya Inoue and Stephen Fulton are close to finalizing a fight in Japan. Just last week, Dan Raphael and others were reporting on Fulton Brandon Figueroa too, but there's a reason Showtime waits to announce fights until they're officially on, and that one wasn't quite locked down when, according to Jake Donovan of Boxing Scene, Fulton got a bigger financial offer to face in a way. And now Showtime is reportedly working on a Figueroa Mark Magsayo fight instead. Kieran, uh, I'm not sure how much you have to say about Tank and Garcia at this point, after weeks and months of us touching on that possible showdown, but I would imagine you at least have a lot to say about the idea of the monster versus cool boy Steph.
0: Yeah, um, I said last week when it looked as if Fulton Figueroa 2 was was happening, that the one disappointment I had about it was that it looked like it would mean Stephen Fulton leaving £122 just as Noya in a way arrives. Well, the gods have spoken. Look, I like the idea of Fulton Figueroa, too. I liked it very much. But I love, love, love Fulton in a way. Um, yes, I want to see Crawford Spence. Yes, I want to see Usyk Fury. But for pure skill and brilliance, two top-of-the-line young guys putting their the feeder records on the line in an absolutely fascinating and truly meaningful pound-for-pound clash give me Fulton in a way. Uh, I don't know if Showtime's likely to get it. Uh, if we do, all the better for us. But... The very fact it seems like to happen is, I think it's sensational news. Look, yeah. I know 2022 ended poorly, and through nobody's fault, we've had some early year disappointments here in 2023 with Charlo Zoo temporarily falling by the wayside, for example. But my God, if we do get Fury Usyk and Inoue Fulton in like the first half of this year, well, I hope that Bud Crawford and Errol Spence watch revel in the <laughs> attention they will get in both yeah. those fights and think seriously about what they want to do and how prepared they are to make their own matchup happen. I could not be more excited by the idea of this matchup. Um, Obviously, we'll analyze and preview it to death if it does get made and and as it gets closer. But for now, safe to say that my excitement level's off the charts, to be honest. nice. Um, Our news undercard is mostly made up of tidbits about fights that are in the works. Uh, We have a working date reported for the lightweight title fight between Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. They're looking at May 20th. We also have a date and a site for David Benavidez versus Caleb Plant. If that gets sewn up, they're targeting March 25th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Jake Paul, despite signing with an MMA promotion, is said to be close to lining up his next boxing match as he tries for a third time to make the Tommy Fury fight happen. They're considering February 25th in Saudi Arabia. Dan Rayfield reports that a heavyweight bout between Joe Joyce and Zhang Jalai is being worked out for April 15th, probably in London. Uh, A couple of lesser fights in the news. Ivan Redcat is out of his planned fight against Adrian Bronner, and Hank Lundy is in. French heavyweights Tony Yoka and Carlos Takam are scheduled to face off on March 11th in Paris. The scheduled rematch between Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall, um, after Taylor held on to his 140-pound championship last year by an extremely disputed decision, well, apparently that nearly kicked off ringside at the Eubank Smith card on Saturday night, but it seems we'll have to wait a little while longer to actually see it in the ring, as Taylor has reportedly suffered a foot injury. And lastly, an item not about a potential upcoming fight top rank and edgar berlanga have parted ways making berlanga a promotional free agent berlanga recently came off a six-month suspension for biting romer angulo during their june fight eric lots to throw at you there any thoughts to share on any of it so there's nothing spectacularly
1: thrilling here i mean there are a couple of great fights but they're fights we've known about Uh, haney versus loma it doesn't get much better i sure hope they get that done sounds like it's on track Benavidez Plant, also an excellent fight, very much enhanced by Kayla Plant's sensational one-punch knockout of Anthony Durrell last time out. Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury, it's hard to feel too confident that it's actually going to happen until they're (laughs) in the ring. And, of course, everyone knows how we feel about this Saudi Arabia crap. Uh, But if it happens, regardless of venue, I am curious about the result. Joyce versus Zhang. That's a whole lot of height and weight in the ring. Those are big boys. Um, yeah. Joyce should win, but uh, but it's a decent fight. Um, Broner versus Lundy. Yeah, eh, it sounds about right. The BLK Prime experiment is going quite well. Um, <laughs> yoga versus Takam. Got to be the biggest Frenchman versus Frenchman heavyweight fight of my yeah. time covering boxing. Um, yeah. <laughs> listeners, let me know if I'm forgetting some other noteworthy French on French showdown. But uh, yeah, pretty good one there. Um this Taylor-Catterall rematch may be cursed. Uh, plantar, plantar fasciitis injuries aren't quick and easy to recover from. Hopefully, Taylor bounces back quickly, but I don't know. This, this obviously sucks for all involved. And Berlanga, you know, a year or two ago, no way Top Rank lets this relationship end. But yeah, yeah. I I guess he wasn't really worth fighting for at this point off four straight distance fights and the biting situation. We'll see where he lands. He remains a prospect of interest to a lot of fight fans, even if, you know, this is, this is weird to say about a 25 year old, but his career peak may already be behind him
0: yeah yeah indeed you notice by the way that i made a point of saying that taylor had suffered a foot injury because i didn't trust myself to say plantar fasciitis properly so i left
1: (laughs) that is that a because of brain fog you didn't trust yourself or under any circumstances you wouldn't trust yourself on that
0: i think under normal circumstances i'd have had a shot at it
1: okay all right well Uh, but now you know that COVID is giving you superpowers kieran certainly (laughs) you need to be fearless about this stuff
0: Yep, apparently. All right. Uh, let's finish with this week's top five assignment. And it's actually one I'm really a little bit surprised we hadn't had before, but hmm. uh, I went through and checked the list, uh-huh. didn't see it on there. So I feel reasonably confident we actually haven't done it. <laughs> okay. um, we'll see. <laughs> but it is in honor of David Dynamite Stevens getting the job done in style on Friday night. It's very simple. Eric. Give me a five best last round knockouts. Mm. Um, And I will reassure you that a quick check of the interwebs reveals that plenty of people have done your work for you. (laughs) Not only have others compiled lists, there's at least one three-part YouTube video compilation. Oh, nice. So grunt work has been done. Right. Uh, I just um, need to put them in an order. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. I I like this. Yeah, there's, okay. I mean, there's like three of them came to mind before you like right. finished saying what the assignment was. So uh, then it's just a matter of making sure that I'm thinking of all the ones I should be thinking of and uh, and figuring out the the order for what is the greatest final yeah. round uh, knockout. But so- um, One
0: leaves mine to be the number one, I guess, but um, but there are others.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I think I know what one you're referring to, and I guess there are some- it depends a bit on what the criteria are. So, and yeah, I wonder I'll, I'll have to see how much I weigh, how close it is to the end of the final round and all that sort of stuff. So, all right, this is a, this is a good one. I like this. It'll be interesting. And uh, we shall see if I go with the obvious choice for number one or end up coming, landing on something else.
0: But you can see well, I was a little surprised we hadn't picked it before. It seems like a very yeah. obvious five-list kind, of kind of a challenge. I think so. we were
1: waiting for the perfect uh, fight to but hook it know. onto. You found it, and uh, good timing here.
0: All righty. Okay, that will do it for this episode of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. We will be back next week to recap Better Be a yard, and preview fights featuring the likes of Emmanuel Naboretti, Amanda Serrano and Alicia Baumgartner, And we'll see if like my new super strength persists or if it fades along with the virus. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. Uh, until then, thank you for listening. Be safe, be kind and be well.